What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Round Tripper here on 89.1 WXVU, Villain Over Radio. It is Monday, November 18th. I am Pat Zhang, alongside Conrad Bayer, executive producer Jack Sherwood, and two people are back tonight. Matt Wood and Benjamin Moy, how are we? Excellent, excellent. Very good, very good, very good. Other mic. <laughs> yeah, so we have, we have five people at three mics. So this is going to be real interesting tonight. But uh, how's everyone doing? I'm doing well. No, all right. Only Conrad is doing well. well. Everyone, everyone else is doing I'm, good. I'm, 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 a little, I'm a little sore. A little sore? A little, sore, a little tired. Very tough, tired. tough workout? Uh, yes. Yeah? Yeah, a little sore. Back's, back, lower back's not doing so great. Oh, uh, that's tough. That's, you just hate to see stuff like that. But hey, you'll, you'll recover it, Matt. Oh, I thought you were just making a crying it's face. Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, that's, that's fair. All right, we'll get into the shout outs, move through some announcements and, and get into it. So uh, let's start with the list. So <laughs> thank you to Connor, Jordy, Megan, Jules, Shannon, Joe, Rebecca, Rick, Dan, Brian, Jack, Not Sherwood, Madeline, Mark, Uncle Ken, Aunt Diane, Marie, Joe, Johnny, Mom, Dad, Bears, Sherwoods, Woods, Moyes, everyone and anyone. Thank you so much for listening. Did I miss anyone? That was quick. I tried, yeah, I tried to really run through that one. Bradley I'll take that Bradley's. as I didn't. Oh, yeah. Uh, shout out Michael Bradley. We'll add him to the list. Yeah, yeah that, that works. Uh, the Instagram round underscore tripper 23 podcast is live every Tuesday morning on iTunes and Spotify. Just search round tripper two words uh, before we get into it. Congratulations to the most dominant co-ed flag football team of all time. 26. Yeah, so 26 to two victory in the title game. It's completed the 7-0 season. Pretty good. Not going to lie. Uh, City Six competition on Saturday gets to represent Villanova. Probably win that too, because why not? Uh, it's Hunger and Homelessness Awareness Week. Shout out Matthew Carney, who just texted me. There you go. There's our, their extra shout out. Um, Relay for Life is on Saturday. Breaky moves, breaky moves. Mm-hmm. Relay for Life is now the official philanthropic event of Round Tripper on WXVU. You actually did a really nice voice with that. Thank you. Yeah, that, that, that was good. So definitely go out and support. $10 tickets on VillanovaTix.com. A really good event. And also good luck to Juliana and Shannon with their half marathon on Saturday. Woo! Lots of clapping today on the, yeah. on the air. A, a, lot of, air. a lot of clapping. We clap all the time on yeah. this show. Yes. We just, we're just big pump-up guys. We just see yeah. each other on campus and just clap. At every time. Every time, actually. All right, so we'll get into it now, starting with the NFL. We actually have plenty to talk about on this show. We've got NFL, we've got MLB, Nova Basketball, Miscellaneous. So much to get to, but we are going to start with the Sunday night game. Nope. from uh, Yeah, we are. <laughs> Sunday nope. night game. I don't think football happened this weekend. Mm-hmm, where the Los Angeles Rams defeated the Chicago Bears 17-7. And we'll start off with, is this the nail in the coffin for the Chicago Bears? Yes. Uh, why? <laughs> why? Because they benched Trubisky with three minutes left because of a hip injury that's not a real injury. It's just a hip pointer. You can play three minutes. Um, but I think it was. They really need this game. They You get back to 500. They have an easier part of the schedule coming up. That, in my delusional mind, I had them at at least 7-5, and five, probably 8-5 and five after the Cowboys game. Um, and then I think they're really, they would really have a shot at, at the playoffs, possibly. But... Losing this game to the Rams with the Rams struggling, it makes it even look worse because they 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 struggle against every other team, and then the Rams, the offense wasn't able to do anything, but 
the Bears, the, the Rams offense couldn't do anything, but the Bears offense also sucked. I don't think it was Trubisky's fault, but yeah, it's over. The Bears are done. Everybody needs to be fired. Football sucks. Wow, that was that was aggressive. So we'll go with some stats with that. They rank 30th in passing yards per game, 29th in rushing yards oh. per game, and 28th in points for. I also Who are believe, they beating in passing yards per game. It's got to be the Dolphins. <laughs> All right, uh, Dolphins bang. Oh, actually, uh, Dolphins put up Makes some yards sense. early on. But I do think the the Bears season is over, and mostly because looking at that schedule versus the Giants on Sunday, I don't know how they will ever deal with Daniel Dimes. They'll, right. they'll, the they'll, defense they'll beat the, the Giants. Yes, they'll beat the Giants. But then at Detroit, which is not an easy game, Dallas right. at Green Bay, Kansas City at Minnesota. Good night, Chicago. See this later. thing's over. They're still. They're going to beat the Lions on Thanksgiving. No, I don't know about that. They beat Detroit them last week. Have you seen the, your offense? We just watched two. Matt Stafford's out. Jeff Driscoll. Yeah, so is Trubisky. Florida Gators represent next next week. There's a reason that Daniels was put in. He's the better quarterback. So what do we think about the Trubisky-Daniels situation? I think Matt Nagy is trying to save his job. Yeah, I think it's fair. I think he's, by, by benching Trubisky, he's putting the blame. This is all Trubisky's fault. It's not my play calling, which is just false. Like, his play calling sucks. They put up the graphic, or they, they played all the, the trick plays that worked last year, and when the Bears were good, it was a fun time. And, like, looking back makes you sad for this year. But he was amply able to do those plays. He had a well-run team, a balanced offense. He actually knew how to run the ball. But this year, they just put everything in terrible situations. There was a, it was a third and one at the Bears' own like twenty-five, and they ran an option play where Mitch didn't even make it look like he was going to run for run for any yardage, and he pitched it too early. But like that's all play calling. Like you run Mitch out to the left, like that's never going to end well. He still is has that messed up shoulder. So like Nagy just forgot how to call a play, um, call a game, and I don't know. I, I don't know. And you also still don't have a kicker. Yeah, Panera missed twice yesterday. And I, just and I, we know first of all, missed the forty eight yarder. They had the exact same spot mm-hmm. on their next drive. They go for it on a fourth and fourth nine. Fourth and nine. Don't yep. get it, because they don't trust the kicker. The next, or later in the game, they have another kick from 47, I think it is. 43. 43. Misses that one. It's just a a, a total disaster. Mm -hmm. So if they take three field goals, then, you know, it's a... They win the game. They win the game. Yeah, it's a much different game. They watched two inept offenses last year. It was was great. great And it wasn't even that the Rams played well. Like, the Rams wanted to lose that game. Mm -hmm. There There was a stat. They got 30 yards of offense in that third quarter. And they outscored the Bears. Yeah. 30 yards offense. Oh, Jared Goff did not play well, and Jared Goff has not played well all season. They finally fed Todd Gurley for the first time this season. He got 25 carries. They would kind of contain him. Oh, it would, as you said, this was not a pretty game by any means. They punt nine straight times, too. Didn't the Rams punt? Yeah, they gave gave him a lot of opportunities. Yeah, Johnny had to put on an absolute performance. He He got Super Bowl MVP. He played very well. Very, very well. We're going to have to leave the mic in one spot because that sounds disastrous (laughs) moving it back and forth. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. That's how you're going to talk into the mic. Uh, so any final thoughts on Trubisky? Daniel situation? I think I think you're right. I think that's inexcusable, actually, by Nagy to pull him in that point. Listen, he's your guy. Even if, if it's, change, even if it's not working out, you have to play Mitchell Trubisky. Chase Daniel was not taking this franchise anywhere. You play Trubisky. You don't pull him in the most important no. drive of the game. There's no excuse for that at all. I know he has a hip injury now. I'm sure that's 
for real, Trubisky will be back on the field on Sunday against the Giants. I just, there is no excuse for pulling him there. And I think, Conrad, to your point, like, uh, the one thing that the Rams had going for them was to feed Todd Gurley, mm-hmm. and they did not stop him in the first half. How, as, as a game plan from a, from a coaching standpoint, you know Goff has been awful this season, so you know he's, you got to make, you know, the only, if, if he beats you on throwing, that's fine, but you, they, the one thing that they could, that could have beaten the Bears, they let it happen, and, and they, they reacted too late, you know, it, it, that's what it came down to. I mean, I agree with that. I think almost everybody knew that that was going to be their game plan going in, that the only way the Rams are going to get back on track for their season. So they start feeding Gurley. But I I don't know. uh, The Akeem Hicks injury, I think, really affected that. I think if he was in that game, no matter what what the defensive play calling was in that that first half, they would have been able to stop him. Because him in that middle with Mack coming on, on either side, that line's so much better than what they have now with, I believe it's Goldman in the middle. Akeem Hicks is just such a better player, and I think that's really affected this team because he, while Max the stud and gets all the stats, Akeem Hicks, I think, was the, the true leader of that team, the defensive team. I, I think that, that plays a role in that, and the defense hasn't been as good, but because they did have, they went to four down linemen to stop Gurley, and that's just not, they play a 3-4, like, that's not what they're going to be playing, so they were trying to stick to what they're used to all season, but it was just an all-around terrible game. The Bears don't deserve to go anywhere. Tank the, season. The fact they don't have a first-round pick is probably the worst part. That oh, is, no. That is, yeah, that is the worst part. Because without a, without a kicker, without a quarterback, like there should be a top-five pick. And it's going to go to the Raiders. Yep. And the Raiders Who are, are going to look amazing. Right because, now, by the way. I believe whoever... Max Crosby. Has more sacks than Mac this year. As a rookie. And they used that pick on um, Josh, Josh Jacobs, Jacobs, who's tearing up the who, league. Who carries Freddie Fettuccini every so, week. So, let's get off the Bears. Yes, we, <laughs> we, we will. We'll move on to Baltimore. Very sad conversation. It was. We'll move on to Baltimore and Houston. I mean, what more can we say about Lamar Jackson at this point? So, going into the going into the week, it was Deshaun Watson against Lamar Jackson. Jackson put up over 300 yards of total offense, four touchdowns, no fumbles, 41-7. to Ravens win at home against Houston. So... We've kind of entertained it a little bit, but we're going to go right at it now. New England or Baltimore, who do you take as your favorite in the AFC? Oh. Yep. We're going right here. Because right I, I know how I feel about this. I'll let someone else go. Because I know what you guys are going to say. Yeah, I'll take it. It's it's the Baltimore Ravens. If, if you look at them straight up, the Ravens beat New England. I think that this Baltimore team is so difficult to game plan for with Lamar Jackson, with how he's throwing the ball. Because we obviously looked at it that throwing was going to be his weakness, but he's been fantastic in the pocket this year. We know how hard he is to get outside. That running game is fantastic with Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards. I love that door. And that, that door has been squeaky for forever. <laughs> We're good. Um, obviously, the you add in the element of the run game. And Baltimore's just so hard to, to stop. Now, New England's defense spectacular that offense really scares me they rank 24th in the league in yards per play at 5.1 24th now yes they went off of efficiency and they went off of brady smarter than everyone else but if they get into a high scoring game they're in trouble i'll, I'll take this uh i i think that i agree that well i i think baltimore 
and uh, Harbaugh should be up for coach of the year. I think mm-hmm. that what he's done, absolutely. I, I think on Sunday, what you saw is you saw. <clears throat> I think Deshaun Watson has more talent than Lamar Jackson does, and he fits the modern day NFL better. However, I think that Harbaugh has done such a good job of scheming up the offense for Lamar Jackson that I think you just saw like a blatant coaching mismatch. I think that um that that's really what's come come down to the last you know he's beaten the 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 Seattle he's beaten the Pats and he's beaten you know the Texans were all excellent playoff teams. I think that you're seeing that it's it's out coaching. I mean they out, I think I think Harbaugh out coached Belichick the other day or a couple weeks ago and I think that I uh, I think that if the one thing that has me reluctant is I just don't see how they can come into New England and the Pats defense can make the same mistakes. Mm-hmm. I do think that's that, why home field is so key in this postseason. I, I, I don't see how the Pats right now. I thought that maybe they lose to Kansas City, but I can't see them losing to Dallas. I can't see them mm-hmm. losing to Kansas City at home. I, I I don't know if there's another loss in that schedule. Sure. Because the, yesterday really validated how good the defense was. Mm-hmm. I think that it's they proved to me yesterday that they can oh they went really good on, on the defense. road absolutely you can win on defense and i think that was our best win yesterday i i think the key is going to be the offensive line and brady not being a receiver snob because some of the the comments he made yesterday after the post game he was so so negative and and cynical that he he just doesn't seem to want to you know help along younger rookie receivers and I think it's very apparent. He's he, he only wants to throw to Edelman. He only wants to throw to Sanu. And I think it's a problem. Um, so that's that's my take on it. Um, well, first up, your point, Benjamin, um, about him being a receiver snob. I wouldn't go that far. I would say that they got a lot of rookies coming up that haven't really built chemistry with Brady. Edelman's been there for a long time. Muhammad Sanu's a proven vet. They got him. They gave him a second rounder for a reason for him. But I wouldn't say he's being a snob. I'd say he has his guys. He knows he relies on. He, as guys he doesn't rely on yet. That's all I would say to that. As far as my favorite in the AFC right now, I would follow Pat's trend and say, as of right now, I would take the Ravens if it was, because I think we're all in agreement, it's the Ravens and the Pats mm-hmm. atop the AFC. Definitely. I mean, yeah. the Chiefs obviously are, are definitely going to make noise and they're not going to be slept on at all. Are you, there's another team in there, right? It's high and above. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to the Bills later. Um, but if, if Sarah were taking the, the Pats and the, and the Ravens right now, straight up in a game, go to Super Bowl, I would take about the Ravens right now. My only hesitation with Baltimore going forward is that there's a question of, are they peaking too early? (laughs) Are they, are they peaking on a six game win streak right now? Will they still have six games left on their schedule? Is that is that, that game at, at Baltimore or, or, or Foxborough? That is a big difference. I and I agree that's, that that's a big going difference. To be a key. If, if you ever have Foxborough versus Baltimore, well, yeah, I, I would I would agree with you that the home field advantage mm-hmm. is different. I'm saying right now, if you put these two teams on the field, regardless of where they're playing, I would take the Ravens right now to win. But I hesitate saying, hey, they still got six games left on the schedule. I don't think that well, the Ravens are going to win out and go undefeated. Someone eventually either. is going to find the secret sauce and beat them. And the Pats have shown in the past with good coaching and they can game plan for anyone. And they're probably going to they're going to dissect however Baltimore loses, a tooth and nail, find every single weakness that they can exploit, and and you know find what find figure out what Lamar Jackson isn't that great at because he obviously wasn't built to be this next superstar quarterback. He was a lot of question marks around him. You know he's throwing the ball well right now. If you can learn how to contain him and don't let him scramble around and truly make him a pocket passer, I bet I bet you he's pretty beatable. So that's where I'm at right now. I would say the Ravens definitely are the front runner. I think no one can take away what they've done in the past six weeks. But it is November. We're not in December yet. You still got a lot of season left to play. Um, 
that's that's my stance on it. Just what do you guys think? And then we'll get to the Texans really yeah, quick. Yeah, I just, think it just depends based off whoever has home field advantage. I think also too, if you look, Baltimore has a lot of weapons that mm-hmm. people just aren't talking about. Like Mark Andrews has been has amazing. Become a top yeah. tight end has been. Uh, like 13, like 14 point score in fantasy. <laughs> and like, you're going to be excited. I don't know because I'm my team, but if you look yesterday too, the Gus bus put up like 115 he yards. was well. leading rusher. Granted, some of those might've come in, not in crunch time, but there's a lot of, like a lot of weapons, but I think it does come down to coaching is obviously Belichick every game in the playoffs. He takes away <laughs> what his opponent's best option is. He takes that away. Yep. And that's what I think that Mr. Bradley kind of said it last week too, is that I wonder if, or not, I wonder if what he said did Belichick really fold his cards? Is he going to fold his cards in week eight and show exactly how he's going to contain Lamar Jackson and that defense? Or, you know, is he going to obviously play to win, but then is he going to do something special or, you know, mix it all up with blitzes or, you know, whatever schemes are, you know, he's obviously going to wait to do that until what we're looking toward is an ASU championship rematch. Yeah, I think that's very fair. Connor, just give me the team that you're thinking of. I agree with the guys here. It's Baltimore right now. All right. So on, on Houston, do we think they can survive in that sixth spot? So now Houston's talented. That offensive line is a disaster. Deshaun Watson is under constant pressure every time. Do we think Oakland can catch them? The Steelers are in that conversation. If you want to be generous, you can throw Cleveland in there, which we'll get to in one second. Uh, so Houston's sitting at six and four right now. Can they make it in as at 16? I think it's six, yeah. I think there's a huge game Thursday night, isn't it? Uh, Indy, Houston, if I'm in... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, I believe that's Thursday night, which would be, I think that's, I think it's going to be first place in the division. That's for the is, lead in division. Yeah, yep. so I think that it's kind of, it's just Deshaun Watson, you don't know where you're going to get it. Sometimes, you know, he, is it this Deshaun Watson that played in Kansas City or is it the Deshaun Watson that put up seven Last points? Night. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, it's definitely hit or miss. And I think that also too, they have what a top five, top three wide receiver and DeAndre Hopkins as that well. So I don't, I don't see them not, I see them in that typical and the Andy That's Dalton, Saturday. Houston. Saturday at one game, right? Yeah, exactly. Yep. That like the one o'clock wild card game. Unfortunately, it's not going to be in Houston. It'll probably end up being where it'll end up in Indianapolis. So we'll stay in a dome. But like, I don't, I don't see them. I don't see a team below them leaping over. Maybe the Raiders, but yeah. watch out for Oakland. Yeah. yeah, sure. And just to piggyback off that too, I mean, talking about the Raiders, I mean, they won this weekend, but I would argue Andy Dalton plays for the Bengals, yeah. the Bengals win, which is just an outrageous thing to think yeah. about in the first place. So, I mean, not taking nothing away from Oakland. You know, wins a win in any, any given week, and that's been tested and proven in the NFL. Um, but the Raiders have not shown, like, they're this magical team. I mean, going into the season, they were expected to be a top-five worst team in the league, and they've yeah. proven everyone wrong in mm-hmm. that sense. And John Gruden deserves a lot of credit, especially dealing with, like, Antonio Brown and everything else that was going on at the beginning of the season during the preseason. Um, but in terms of, like, their one main competition, if we're just talking strictly the Raiders right now, I do like the Texans to beat the Raiders just flat out towards the rest of the season. I mean, it's a 16-game season for a reason. And how many games do the Raiders have against Kansas City? I know they at least have one. But I just, looked, okay, I just looked at the Raiders' yeah. schedule. Okay. They have the easier schedule than Houston. Okay. And like it, it is pretty substantial, which is why I think that Oakland gets that sixth spot yeah. because I'm not sure that Houston is going to be able to hold up against who they have to Houston's play. Houston's going to Foxborough next week. They, they, no, they're... Um, actually, I think they're... Um, it's the December 1st. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So Houston still has versus Indy, versus New England, Broncos, Titans... At Bucks Titans, the Titans are. Wait, they're at the they're at Denver. A home against Denver. Oh, okay, so that's Denver's playing much better than it would have thought. So, yeah. Obviously, New England, Indianapolis are rough, and two against the Titans. The Titans are a tough team to play. 
Uh, I'll probably get one of those. So, I, I, and then Oakland's schedule is substantially easier. So, I think that Oakland so, might jump them. So I love what Gruden I, is doing. I would preface this by saying, who, as a coach, who do you trust more? John I Gruden by far. Yes. Yeah, and I, I, I think that <clears throat> that's what you're seeing. Again, like I said, you saw when they played the Ravens. It's just a borderline. It's like, not a borderline, uh, a straight up coaching mismatch. I think that's what it's going to come down to. I mean, I don't think that. I think, who was it? Derek Carr is having like a top five season. He's having a, he's having he's, a very good season. Is, he's having a great season. I think that at the bottom, the bottom line is I just don't have much faith in Bill O'Brien. I don't think he's a very good coach. I, don't I, don't coach. I, I, I just don't think that he can really get it done. He's proven to you know I, I, he, they played the Texans played the Patriots a numerous amount of times. They do the same thing every year. Yeah. They change nothing. No, it, and, and it, it just it just goes to show what kind of you know coaching staff they have done. It's true. So we'll we'll hit the the Brown Steelers stuff, and then we'll finish up with the Bills just to keep moving along and give Sherwood his chance over there. But all right, the Brown Steeler aftermath. This probably would have been the first thing that we led with had our show been on Friday or Saturday. But the Browns won twenty one to seven. I don't think anyone cares about that. Miles Garrett situation. So the suspensions have been handed out. Garrett suspended indefinitely. Pouncy for three games, and the other Steelers offensive lineman whose name is escaping me right now is suspended for one game. Do we think they got it right? How many was Pouncey? Three. Three. I think who who was the one that said that they're going to be suspended so they won't play again against each other? Uh, they but play each other in two weeks. In two weeks, yeah. So I think that's smart. So then that way, obviously, they don't play against each other. I th- I think it's correct. I think that Pouncey, if I need, you know, Mark and I were talking about it. If anything, Pouncey should get, you know, three games for doing that for protecting your quarterback. Like, huge props to him. Who wouldn't want to, you know, play with him? But... Yeah, it's just he wound up to kick. Yeah, so it's tough to he now he didn't really connect with him too much. He pulled back a little bit. I think uh, Mr. Bradley actually had mentioned it earlier today that he I think he realized what he was about to do. But still, the optic of kicking a player in the head is yeah. not a, is not great. Not <laughs> no, not with the the head injury stuff, which is why the helmet stuff is so important as well. Yeah, I would say the suspensions are are fair. I would say I mean, if anything, like obviously Miles Garrett is going to be done for a while. There mm-hmm. actually is a a betting line right now in Bavada at how many games you think that he's going to be suspended. And the line is, is he just going to be suspended for this season or is it going to roll into next season? Me personally, I think they take another look at it. They have, I think he has a hearing tomorrow or that sounds about at, right at some time this week with Roger Goodell. He will be there in person, kind of like pleading his case and telling I guess, his side of the story. So, I mean, if that weighs on something, maybe, maybe not. Um, I think uh, additionally, they could just say, Hey, we're just going to, you're going to get suspended for the season. We'll take a look at this off season and see if we can regather, we can figure mm-hmm. something out that's going to work well to, work well for both parties. Um, but yeah, they got it right. I mean, no one's arguing that you, you're going to hit someone in the, in the head with their helmet and not and not get serious suspension for it. I will say it is worth noting, though, that Mason Rudolph, I'm not going to say he's totally... Pansy. <laughs> I'm not, not going to say he's totally, you know, playing innocent here because, you know, if you watch if you watch it back... He played a role in it. Yeah, he yeah, played he a role did. too. I mean, he, it looked, from what I saw, it looked like he went to grab Garrett's helmet off his helmet. Yeah. And it's Miles Garrett, you're not doing that. And yeah. Garrett said, all right, well, I, I can do that then. <laughs> yeah. And one thing led to another. So I'm not going to say, you know, Rudolph is totally exempt from this entire situation. But yeah, they got it right. Miles Garrett should know better. It's, it's a shame, too, because he's portrayed. He comes off as a really great guy off the field. Really soft-spoken, quiet guy, mm-hmm. humble guy. But, I mean, this isn't the first time Miles Garrett's had, had, had issues on the field. Um, I'm, I'm going to get into that in a second. Is a shame. I think also, too, maybe try to see if it dies down over the offseason. Yeah. Kind of like, like that's why it's see what happens. What it's going to be eight months offseason. Kind of see people are going to be talking about it is, you know, God forbid if something else happens, which 
it's the NFL of this league, so it probably mm, will. But league. like, that's I think that it's kind of I think it's correct. I think six is a great round number two to be okay. You're suspended for six games. It happens to be at the end of the year, so um, yeah. I, I would I'd like to point out that <clears throat> not so much about. I I think it goes to show you the ineptitude of the coaching staff in both mm. those franchises. I think that had. There, I, I think you've seen historically that Mike Tomlin is a big rah-rah guy. Like, not he, he's like yeah, blah, blah, blah. and and I think that the the reaction from the Steelers, I, I think Loki, that's kind of what he would want mm-hmm. from his players. And I think it, it comes back to bite him every time. And I and I and you guys know my thoughts on Freddie Kitchens. He yep. I believe has ruined the Browns franchise. They were already pretty ruined, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> he just didn't help them get better. Yes. I mean, they, but, but back to the point, I mean, I think that it goes to show you the, the coaching staffs on those two from those two teams. And, and look, again, the Ravens, they're excelling because they have a coach that's been there, that's won before, that is um, he's playing to the strengths of his players, and he's taking advantage of weaknesses on, on of uh, other teams, when they, on their, other opponents. And I think that it's very clear, like, you know, in that division, what, what's going on. Yeah, so the, the first thing that came to my head when I saw this was it's the same old Browns. They won this game 21-7 to to save their season and give them any bit of, you know, remembrance of possibly going on a run and making the playoffs. And they still couldn't handle it. And themselves. they still messed it up. And it's just a cycle with this franchise. I mean, you think of Dante Stallworth to Johnny Manziel to Miles Garrett and on and on and on. They cannot help themselves. The Browns have a discipline problem to your Freddie Kitchens They're point. The They're the, the, league, the most far. penalized team in the league by far. Kitchens, we've said it a billion times here, it was not the hire um, for this team. This was a team that needed someone with experience, someone that had di- that was a disciplinarian that could keep these guys in line. And Kitchens is the exact opposite. And on Miles Garrett, he has to be careful because Matt is 100% correct that he has the off-the-field persona as a very soft-spoken guy. But this is the second time now this season that he's had an on-field incident. The first one was in that on that Monday night game against the Jets where he snapped Trevor Simeon's ankle with a late hit and got penalized and got fined heavily. And now you have the incident where he rips a quarterback's helmet off and hits him in the head with it. That's dangerous for him for his perception with his peers that this guy might be dirty now. And just one more thing to touch on the Browns. I mean, while we're on it, let's not forget their remaining schedule in the league might be the easiest in the entire mm-hmm. league. There's a very real possibility. This team's sitting at four and six right now. They can make a run in the playoffs, which is just a whole nother dynamic to throw in when you now talk about Miles Garrett, their top defensive player. It's gone. It's yeah. out for the rest of the season. I mean, they got the Bengals twice. They got the Dolphins. The Steelers, again, backup quarterback they mm-hmm. just played. They got the Cardinals, rookie quarterback with Clips Kingsbury. doesn't know what he's doing. But they're playing better. They, they are, they are, the, I do like the Cardinals are playing better. Fine. They're playing but better. But to Matt's point, he's 100%. And then they got the Ravens. So out of the, their remaining six games, five of those games are very well. They will be favored in five games. of them. Or uh, the Steeler game will probably be the Steelers by a little bit because it's at Pittsburgh. But otherwise, they're going to be favored in every single game. I have to say that minus they, won, they won four of the remaining six games. They end up eight and eight, which is you're right. You're right in the thick of things. You flip one of those games, yeah. you're nine and seven. So yeah, they they are right there. And then finally, because I want to go to break, Sherwood Buffalo Bills beat the Miami Dolphins. Do we have yeah. anything from that game? They played well. Keep chugging. Is Josh Allen a better running back than quarterback? I heard someone uh, someone on ESPN today say it was Ryan Clark said that. Josh Allen is better at running the ball than he is at throwing the ball. I didn't even know that. That's fantastic. That was lined that. up right there. I confer- <laughs> his, his completion percentage is up 8% this year to 63. That's right. You tell him. Which is good. And, uh, by the way, John good. Brown having a spectacular season. Very I received good. He's very good fantasy player. Yeah. Yep. Shout, out good fantasy player. Shout out to you. Shout out to you. 
No, I think it's he's definitely learning. I think that he's still raw. He was the raw raw. He was the most raw quarterback yes. coming into the draft, and I could say there's never been a player that the city of Buffalo and Buffalo fans have rallied around more since Jim Kelly. JP Lossman? No, not JP Lossman. <laughs> Don't give me that. Don't give me that JP Lossman. JP Lossman set us back seven years. EJ uh, Manuel? No. No. Who should have been a second? Who had a second round draft grade? Who? Uh, what's his fate? Uh, Jimbo Fisher said, I want you to leave because I have this quarterback in waiting. Named and Jameis Winston. Famous Jameis. Yeah. But no, 7 3. If you saw that to be in the year, I would be completely fine with that. No, I, I absolutely agree. Yeah. Jameis Winston, by the way, just a fun fact throwing it out there, has 18 interceptions this season. Um, through four this past weekend, and I was listening to part of my take today, <laughs> and they were talking about no, they're talking about um, out of curiosity, uh, could he potentially get the uh, the most interceptions no. ever in a particular season? <laughs> and um, and I'm guessing comments you already know, yeah. Pat. Do you know what I the don't. stat is? It's George Bland, and, Bland, who is also a kicker, by the way. Fun yep, fact: yep. It's George Bland, who's a Hall of Famer. Yep. <laughs> yes. So again, you can make an argument: James is the Hall of Famer. <laughs> Stop. This, this hey, stat's hey, ridiculous. Hey. And a 14 game season, George Blanda had 41 interceptions. That's how many? That's a gunslinger. He had one. Two games where he threw six picks. Yep. How? How? how what era was this? And ready for this? Is the best part about it? That team. Pre Super Bowl. No. <laughs> best part about it? That no. That team that I threw 41 interceptions on won 11 games. Yeah, because the the they, they went 11 and three, and he threw the ball to the other team 41 times. Yeah, that's when they had. That's when they had like leather helmets. Like, yeah. Hey, also, anyway, when they you know, throw didn't throw the football, he's a, he's, yeah. hey, he's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> All right. being, that, a, being a running back, that's a quarterback has kind of done well for Lamar Jackson. For Lamar Jackson, so. that's right. There you go. I like watch that. out. And, that, watch and that is how we finish the NFL segment. Break. Yes, and that is how we finish the NFL segment. We are going to get right back into it with some Major League Baseball after the break. This is Round Tripper on eight nine one, and we'll be right back. Back here, they teach. <laughs> back here with Round Tripper. Let me just explore the space. The frozen tundra. And the NFL song spread. We're good. Thank you. Sorry. For, all right, we're, we're good. Out of there, we're, all right, we're, we're good now. Wait, fall back here. <laughs> Conrad's still sitting. Are you going to simulcast? What's simulcast going back? On up? He's working on it. He's working on it. So I'm we are going to get into some Major League Baseball. The big, big news. One of the biggest stories in baseball in a long time, Houston Astros have been caught stealing signs. Not only everyone steals signs, but their problem is that they use technology to do it. Now, an interesting point that we'll get to in a second is that Mike Fires, as well as a former player of theirs, as well as three Astros officials have confirmed such. Um, as Sherwood was discussing over break, there is a documentary for the Houston Astros on their 2017 World Series in which there is literally a scene that shows a TV monitor set up in the hallway next to the dugout with a trash can next to it, which kind of fits in with uh, with the whole theme that's been going on. So what they would do is that they would watch through a camera that they set up in center field. They'd see the signs. They would signal to the hitter if it was an off-speed pitch or a breaking ball by hitting a garbage can which would obviously be a very loud noise. The hitter would know if there was no hit, it was a fastball. If there was a hit, it was an off-speed pitch. Now, that kind of sets it up. What do we think about the whole situation? Um, I think that it's very obvious that that postseason, they benefited incredibly by an incredible amount. Oh, I have the splits for you if you'd like to read them. Oh, yes, please. Of of course, absolutely. So in the 2017 uh, World Series. So well, for, for their playoffs. So as Moy said, they won the World Series in 2017. That is when this 
um, system in question started. It is still going on, or it went on through 2019 as well, because there's a video from this year where you can very clearly hear the, the banging happen. So Jose Altuve at home hit 472. On the road, hit 143. Carlos Correa at home hit 371. On the road, 211. Alex Bregman at home, 273. Away, 154. Brian McCann at home, 300. Away, 037. Those are pretty see, the massive whole, The home run splits are insane, too. They are pretty massive splits. Yeah, so Altuve, six home runs compared to one. Correa, three to two. Bregman, two to two. McCann, one zero. Uh, Yuri Gurriel, 2-0. And that McCann one home run was a big one against the Yankees. Against the Yankees, like yes. I think that was either, I, think, I believe that was game six. It wasn't game seven because game seven, Charlie Morton was lights out. Mm-hmm. But the one game six, I believe, was like to put him up on like the seventh inning. Sorry. So what do we think? I'll, I I think that, uh, I mean, they should, they're saying they should get the death penalty. I mean, it's basically, basically <laughs> kill the Astros. Rock them, like rock them. Yeah, send them to I the minors. Like, look at the optics. How would that even look? <laughs> I understand in college how that works. How does that work in pro they sports? Were, they were saying they were they were talking about the the some equivalent of the death penalty. Yeah. Isn't there also a limit on the amount of fines you can put on a? I, heard, I thought I heard that. I believe, like draft picks I, b- away I believe there's a limit on the amount you can find players. Ownership, okay. I think, is a different story, okay. which is where I think I know you I see a massive about sign. that. And, but yeah, I mean, I I agree with the sentiment of the death penalty. I just don't know how that how that, yeah. So how, how do you punish an approach? How, how, how do you punish? You take, there's you, no precedent. You take away. You have to take picks. away draft picks, the international pool money. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to suspend the. Manager, but manager. Is it the manager. I would say I'm not sure yeah, about the players. The players, 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 you can't hold manager, and then Levy can suspend GMs, but that doesn't so, do anything. What so. do the unwritten rules of baseball say about this? The, I'm kidding. No, I would say the unwritten <laughs> rules say <laughs> sign stealing is fine, yeah, but is, you have to do it through like what they did. What they did this postseason with whistling, which is completely fine, which is tough stuff for the Yankees. You've got to, you know, you can't let that sign stuff happen. Mm-hmm. Like that's as a big Yankee fan, that's it's you know they beat you, they beat you fair, not beat you fair and swear, but it's like. Yeah, where they violated yeah. it was the that problem, they the put a camera out yeah. and center field. Technologies, yeah. The fact that they stole signs, I don't think, which is, is, is bad. Blatantly cheating. But when you use video high-speed cameras... Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was no delay. The this wasn't yeah. like the national yeah. TV feed or whatever feed no, where everything's like, on delay. This was a their own camera that they installed themselves. This was not the Fox camera. And that's camera. why they could only do it at home. Exactly. And, and there's stuff, too, that, like, you've got to think of this stuff, mm-hmm. like, of, and what we, how this we said, too, like, this like, was planned. a, This isn't yes. for the moment, yep. like, AJ Hinch being like, let's set this stuff up. No, 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 The camera that's hitting the guy there. The system that they yeah. had set up there. And they said, like, that, too, is, um, they put, like, a towel over, like, the opening of where, like, the field could see into the, like, the, um, where, like, the, wherever they, they it was, was the sitting. tunnel from the dugout to the clubhouse yeah, so is where it was, it was literally, like, everything was thought of, and, it puts like so. Someone said too. It said, "When I so read somewhere, an East Bay Astro fan said, put the asterisk next to the championship. Like we still won it. We saw the parade, merchandise, still mm-hmm. there, everything, which is true. But it's like, yeah, you, well, take, you can't. You you're know. not touching the World Series. No, like yeah. they have. This is not the NCAA where they can just vacate whatever they We're want whenever they want. Fun of yes, exactly. No, the Astros will forever be 2017 yes. champions." Conrad is 100% right. Where they hit them is draft picks because Houston has grown throughout the draft. You think Carlos Correa was a number two pick. He's been, uh, Bregman was a first round pick. Like all these guys they've, they've really brought up international signing money. 
that is where I think they can, if you want to go death penalty, they could just strip them of it entirely. The international market is so big in baseball nowadays of teams signing players from exactly from Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, so on and so on. If you don't allow them to sign there, those are massive prospects that they just can't touch. As Sherwood said, that's where Vladdy Guerrero Jr. came from, yeah. was international signing money. There's a ton of, and uh, Victor Victor, like there's a lot of guys there that, are, that are so, so Ahmed Rosario for the Mets was signed yeah. that way. There were so many guys that are signed that way. That is a huge pipeline that yeah. you cut off. Draft picks, you could have them forfeit that way. Um, suspensions, I do think you'll see Hinch, AJ Hinch suspended. Jeff uh, Jeffrey Loonhow, the general manager, also probably in danger. The organization is going to get a gigantic fine. But past that, I'm not sure what else you can do saying i'm not sure what else you can do that's killer to the yeah. franchise if you take away draft picks because that's how they stock their minor leagues and especially if you just say you are banned from signing international free agents if if you think about it too like the if the pit if the batter notes if it's off speed if they're sitting on off speed or a mm-hmm. fastball yeah. that is because like, all it's all baseball's about timing it's got it's like that's what i say a lot of times in the postseason like they're guessing like they're gonna guess change up here they're they're sitting on whatever it is if you know it's an off speed or it's a fat or if it's like the heater, it's it's incredible. I'm sorry, Mario, I cut you off. Mm-hmm. You're fine. You're fine. I just I'm just curious about how many other teams are doing something similar to this. You I don't think anyone else is doing it electronically because that is just well, so brazen. The Red Sox got caught with an Apple Watch. With the Apple Watches. So I don't know. Now, Alex Cora was he was an assistant. Um, looking into that. They're they're looking into Cora and Beltron. Those guys aren't getting touched. No, yeah, I don't think they will. Well, I but think I think they have to say they're looking into. They them. have. Yeah, to, what exactly. makes it interesting is that they they won that year. So it, had they you know made the playoffs and made the ALCS and lost or, or, or whatever the case may be, the fact of the matter is is that they won that season, and I think there is clear evidence that. It helped them get to the World Series, mm-hmm. and I, I think I would have been curious to see if that how things would have actually. Listen, well, this this is tough for the Astros because they're going for their fourth straight 100 win season this year, something no team in baseball has ever done, and this puts a black eye on it because the past three years they've been doing this. Yeah, just smile. I said black eye because I have one yeah. right now. That's hilarious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's almost healed. About it now. Yeah, exactly. It's it's almost healed. We're getting better. I've, I have a just a question to pose. Were the balls juiced, or were the Astros cheating? Both. <laughs> just a little teaser. Both, which well, is obviously why they it's hit both. Home runs this year. I'm just, I'm just thinking back to Game Five. I looked it up for the score: 13-12. That was one where Kershaw had a chance. To, where they had like that. Um, Kenley Jansen blew the save. I'm sorry, Madeline. She's been very upset during the she's segment. She's still upset about but it. But she said yeah. she's still listening because she's interested. But we appreciate it, Madeline. It's, it's, it, it would be very interesting. I would I would like to see what would happen or like the score. What? Yeah. Now, the other point that really hasn't been touched at all, which is something that I mentioned in this, is that this all came to light because of Mike Fires, who is a current pitcher in Major League Baseball, coming out and outing the organization. Now, you always hear about the brotherhood, that these guys would never rat on each other. This is a guy that played for them, that is still playing Major League Baseball, that came out and said they're stealing signs. What do we think of that? How does that impact him? How does that impact how he's looked at inside the game? Like this, this, I could see this happening after he retires. He's yeah. still playing. If I'm about completely honest, I didn't know he was still playing. Yeah. I because that's like, I feel like that's almost career suicide. Um, because I think well, because well, every why, though, like, I still don't understand why he just came out and said it. You know what I mean? 
Well, like, probably got fed up with it. I'm probably mad that the Astros yeah, were still these games. Yeah. That's like we're cheating. That's kind of what uh, so who, who Professor Bradley said earlier. Astros. He, yes, no, o- Ace, Oakland. Ace, yeah, Ace. Oh, and he actually pitched pretty well for Oakland. Yeah. So as I so was on with my, uh, Professor yeah. Bradley earlier uh, this afternoon, and he said that he thought maybe it's literally just a guilty conscience that he hated that the Astros did this, even when I he was on the that. team, and said, "All right, it's two years past now. I'm going to come out and say it." But the other thing is. He pitched at Minute Maid Park this year. He got lit up. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling that that played into it a little bit, that he knows that that played into it. Now, what he also said when kind of asked about why is that he said it's not fair to the kid that just gets called up that's holding on by a thread to being on a major league roster, goes into Houston, has no idea what they're up against, and then gets absolutely shelled by a team that knows what's coming. So that was his reasoning for it. I'm just so interested in how teams are gonna, and yeah. players are going to view him now. I mean, you, to your point, I mean, talk about career suicide, losing a locker room. Like, what guy do you want to be on a team with that says, hey, even if we're doing something shady, they were doing something not. But the fact that it may, yeah, maybe it's your guilty conscience, maybe something like that, but you're willing to go to, a, if you get traded tomorrow, you'll go to the other locker room and tell them everything that was going on here. I mean, I feel like, again, like not like an unwritten rule, but something just amongst teammates and amongst players yeah. that are kind of all professional baseball players that are all in it for the same reason they want to, Continue have a continued long ending career and make money. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of like a respect thing. You don't just kind of go tell all the secrets, and I mean talking all the, all secrets, the secrets to your team to your new teammates a month after you get traded or something. But like what that. in the NFL? What's the first place you do once you get traded? You hand over the playbook to the mm-hmm. other team. Which, uh, the playbook's a yeah, lot, it's, di- but, a lot it's, different from it's. It's like something like in, in, um, in football if there was a certain. Um, Certain technique or certain like hand signs I'll, I'll or something, like, exactly. something I, I, like that. I think though, I completely agree with you, but I'm just saying, I think that I wonder if because this is very big. That's not like you know, pitchers pine tar and he's using no. that or something like that. Where no. that I think you keep under wraps. I, I, but I, I'll put it like this: the same thing. You don't say that Aaron Rodgers likes a, a firm ball and that Tom Brady likes a soft ball. You just don't like as a teammate. You don't you know you wouldn't expose that. Like that's the go. You think about it, like in the Flategate term. You know what I mean? That that's kind of how you compare. It. Like it's it's been proven that I, I guess you know throughout most of the league, a lot of players would have doctored the balls just to pass got caught with it, of course. Um, and it's the same thing with the I think with the um, Astros is that you know the Red Sox have gotten caught before, not you know didn't really get penalized for it, but there are ways to do it. I think they just took it a step too far. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I think Deflategate in this sir. Two different. Well, I think the flake. I, I this is more similar to Spygate. Though. Yes, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the flake was kind of a meme of an. It was. Yeah, yeah, it was. The, the flake. I don't care. Spygate. Spygate was legit. Spygate was. The, 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 the difference that makes it this worse than Spygate, I think, is that they won and it's proven that they they, 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 they did it too during the uh, Super Bowl when they played the Rams. The oh yeah, yeah, yes, but that was but that was when other teams they they kept doing it. They I think what happened with Spygate is that there a lot of teams were at the time doing it and they. You know, a couple of years after it continued, after the league had warned many team, multiple teams that had been caught doing it, mm. um, and and they that's when they got you know, when they when the when they got in trouble. Right. Yeah, so that was like oh oh six, like the, yeah. the, between like like oh, after oh five. I think I think that was the year the oh six before they before they went on the oh seven run. Something like that. I was just kind of thinking about it. Think about in Bounty Gate with the Saints mm-hmm. a few years ago. Say you're a player on the Saints get traded to another team. That's a really And good say, point. hey, you tell your teammates just so you know, guys, like they're going to be coming for you. That's one thing. Say you go to the media, you go to the entire NFL, you say, yep. if the Saints are doing something shady, look into it right now, you're going to find something. That's where you cross a specific line to, hey, 
maybe you're telling the truth, but you know how many pe- people in the league are going to say, mm-hmm. this guy just blew up the entire organization. Kind of, that's about, that's about people's health, though. Yeah. That, I think, is, is far more severe. But, but I still think that it's... I do think you have a very good point with going to it. It's going. It's going to the media versus going to the clubhouse. That's that's why. Because there is to go back to there's also that football of the first thing you do when you're traded is you bring the playbook. You bring the playbook to your defensive coordinator, yeah. to your to your new offensive coordinator, to be like, all right, we're gonna play these guys soon. This is what it is. It's not. Hey, look, media. This is their playbook. Yeah. Anybody yeah. who ever wants it, here and it is. To, to it's be very fair, different to an extent. To playbooks in the NFL, yeah, I mean, that's a very pretty loose. universalized. A lot of the plays are basically well, the exact same. Well, I mean, most, well, most of them. Yeah, but I mean, you know, like the Patriots, it's no secret they're gonna run five yard slants the entire game. Uh, yes, like it's, that's what they do. It's no secret. You know, and yeah. the same way the Ravens are going to line up in the pistol 80% yeah. of the time. It's, you you, you kind of don't know exactly what's coming, but you have an idea of what yeah. they're going to be running. So that's not like a, that but I do think the, the media versus the clubhouse, like if he went, yeah. I'm assuming he went when he got, when he got to the A's this year, be either whenever it was, he was like, all right, when we go into Houston, this is what they're going to do. Which is like, let's have, let's have like game plan so that they don't get us. Like they can still get the rest of the league, but like. I was there. I know what's going on. Let's yep. fix this. But he thing. went to the he went to the top of everything and exposed them for everything. Yep. And I th- I think that's where people will lose trust. And not only just players, players might respect it because they're like rule, unspoken rules. Mm-hmm. But where GMs and owners are gonna because they're like this guy went after my pocketbook. Yeah, this guy true. went over my picks. This guy went after my job. After my legacy. If you're the Astros, after my legacy. And I think that's where the problem is. Is whenever. Um, he's trying to get another contract, stay in the league. The GMs and owners are going to be against him because they're like, "What is he? What if he says something that that ruins my reputation, not just another player?" Which is unfortunate because I think at the end of the day, he was doing in he some sense is the, the right, right thing. The right mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, it, it, it is the right thing. It's, it's cheating, and who knows how long it would have gone on for. It's just unfortunate that it might come out the extent of this guy's professional career in the near future. Why yeah. would he not go unnamed? That's what I think, too. Why would he not just go unnamed source? Yeah, the it's bold. That's, yeah, it's very bold. Like, Professor Bradley would well, be really yeah. proud well, that, of well, that Well, then, then you, you're known as history as the guy that broke the news on the Astros. I, well, the years. named source brings in more credibility. That's yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that's, that's what it comes true. down to. Like, if, that, we, if we heard this from an unnamed source, it's like, okay, of us sure. Been like, all right. Exactly. Yeah. No, no, it, it's 100% true. But let's keep it moving because I do want to talk about Villanova basketball. Um, so if, I would say awards came out last uh, last week for Major League Baseball. Your MVPs: Cody Bellinger and Mike Trout. Your Cy Youngs: Jacob Degrom and Justin Verlander. Your rookies of the year: Jordan Alvarez, Pete Alonso. Managers of the year: Mike Schilt and Rocco Baldelli. Do we have any problems with any of those? Really proud of Baldelli. Oh, Baldelli did an incredible job in Minnesota yeah. and one hundred percent deserved that. I did think that Aaron Boone was going to win it. I'm be- glad he did it because it's- of all of the injuries that they had. But I'm thrilled that Baldelli won it. Yeah, that's true. But I think Bald- yeah, Baldelli from an 83 win team to 100 win team, yeah. I think is what it was. Um, very, very impressive. I will say the one I do not agree with. I believe Christian Yelich should have won National League MVP over Cody Bellinger. If you want to say like, oh well, Yelich didn't play the whole season; he got hurt. Mike Trout won American M- American League MVP, and Yelich finished with 20 at bats or plate appearances less than Yelich. Just Yelich also had the um, had more stolen bases, thirty compared to twelve. I just I looked at Yelich, just a complete just freak of a season. Forty four home runs, ninety seven RBIs, thirty three stolen bases, three thirty average, four thirty on base percentage. Now that's not to take anything away from Cody Bellinger, who played three positions this year in right field, center field, and first base. Forty seven home runs, one hundred and fifteen RBIs, three hundred average, and a four hundred on base. I just think Yelich. Should have gotten the nod there. I think 
Just the part of it too is of, the Dodgers winning a hundred and what six games and the, and the very hot start that he had. Mm-hmm. If he was what batting four hundred through midway For through May. Mm-hmm. Like one, I was, when was like Ted, Ted Williams was the last one to bat four hundred, and that was what in the forties. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, because Tony like, Gwynn finished just short. Yeah, like three ninety three ninety six. I have in my head something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that's why I think that I wonder if part of it had like to play with the very you know beginning hot start and that vicious uppercut swing. Yeah, exactly. Nope, I completely agree. Um, I would love to talk MLB free agency and Hall of Fame nominees, but we will have plenty of time to get through that. Um, per Very week. underwhelming. Also, to mm-hmm. Kevin Cash, um, my friend Matthew Carn just texted saying, "Shout out always to does Ke- a great job to uh, Kevin Cash for mm-hmm. like the payroll that he had yep. to win another playoff, yeah, yeah and to make, to push to Game Five to the cheating Astros, but like you know, <laughs> he, had, he, had, he had the back against the wall and the wild card, or just just even competing in the AL East." the wild card, and then having to be down the whole O2. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that'll wrap up baseball. We are going to get into Villanova basketball, some miscellaneous of Nova Nation as we close out the show. This is Round Chipper on 89.1, and we'll be right back. Oh, not not anywhere, but like... <laughs> this is... Hey. We're, we're back. He's made a Trubisky joke, sorry. This is the greatest show, and that's why we're on. So we're going to get into some Villanova basketball, a 1-1 one and one week for the Wildcats, number 17 at the newest AP poll from today, a 76-51 loss at Ohio State, and a 78-54 win against Ohio as Villanova declared war on the state of Ohio this week. What went wrong against Ohio State? You, you, you can open up. I, I, say, I, got, I got a lot of things here. I think penetration, it reminded me a lot of the Alabama game. Could not agree more. Where first half, remember, I, don't, I think we had, what, two points in the paint in the Alabama game? And I just, I think the one thing that stands out is obviously they're still, they're a very young team. We're getting back Brian Antoine, which is incredible, which uh, is probably yeah, we'll the best news bit. of the week. I'm sorry for jumping the no, gun. I apologize. Totally but um, that's, I think it just, I just, Gillespie had a couple of good takes. I think that they just needed, Sadiq just looked a little gun shy. And like, obviously when the shots were falling for one team, the shots weren't falling for the other. Granted, that doesn't make up the 23 point gap. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some sometimes there's, you know, I don't want to say good losses, but it's good to kind of see like, hey, they're blue through army. We were like, oh, are they final four bound? At least you, you thought they were lead eight bomb, but me and my roommates were like, hey, oh, could they? I said sweet 16, sweet 16 if you things said, go and you said right, lead eight would lead be good. Eight. Exactly. And mm-hmm. I still stand by that. Yeah, and my roommates and I were like, oh, is this team actually good after the army game? Granted, there's still a heck of a lot of season left. I think, we're, I think we are going to be good, but it's a good wake-up call to it, see, it hey. It could be good to get your doors blown I, off early. It's not, yeah, not get, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't want to say it's a good loss, but it's good to get stuff on tape, see that, and think, hey, you know, we have a long way, not a long way to go, but just, you know, we're going to be a better team. Mm-hmm. I think that um, on Wednesday, <coughs> I, I texted you during the Army game. Yep. I and you were uh, on I was the, working on the, yeah. on the on the on the broadcast. I said I think this might be the largest team that Jay Wright has ever coached, and I think there's a lot of evidence, like athletically and and physically. I think they're the large, you know, size wise. They have legitimate centers. They have legitimate power forwards. They have all the size, and they can't for some reason to seem to want to get into the paint. Yeah, and I don't understand it, and it makes me so frustrated. I remember, I remember there was a play in the Army game that. Mm-hmm. I believe it was uh, Dada. He had they double teamed him, and, and it just reminded me. It hit me so many flashbacks from last season. I'm like, I thought they had moved past. It. Now, granted, I do think it's a young team, mm-hmm. but I, I just can see still that ineptitude on in terms of having a flowing offense, having ball, good ball movement, because they're still really relying on the three. And I, I honestly like looking back on the Army game now, I could absolutely have seen that 
performance at Ohio State because they just, you know, if the three wasn't going to go down, they were going to lose that game. It, it just it was so obvious. They didn't work in uh, Robinson Earl in the paint. Mm-hmm. That worked really well against Army. And there was a lot of things that I think they regressed. That being said, I do think they have more potential this year to move forward as a team than they did last year. Oh, I absolutely I think they have, a lot, obviously, far more talent, and there's a lot of young guys, and I think they're going to develop and grow throughout the season as they learn the system. And obviously, the rotation, the last thing I have is rotations on Ohio State. Awful. They did not rotate on defense at mm-hmm. all. Um, I think that that will get better as the season goes on. It looked like a young team in their first game away from home against a tough opponent, which is why I do not panic about this game whatsoever. This was Villanova's probably worst shooting performance of the year, and this is going to be Ohio State's best shooting performance of the year. They shot 60% from the field, 56% from three. Ohio State's a bad offensive team. Not an average offensive team, a bad offensive team. And everything they chucked up, especially early on Wednesday night, went in. This was a perfect storm of one team going ice cold from the start, one team getting red hot, and another team that is incredibly young on the road for the first time. I think this game kind of shaped up very similar, like it looked like on paper to the USC game that we were at. Mm-hmm. I think that that's you know, kind of the two polar opposites of. And that's why Jay wanted them to go out to yeah. California. The whole point was to get them some experience. What, I think it's a great learning experience. Road. And I think that. Yeah, I think it's, you know, the time will come. Justin, I think that we have a lot of young guys, and it's just, you know, it's what, it was December 11th? Or no, pardon me, it was December 13th when they played. So it's, or not, pardon me, November 13th. I was going to say, we have I not apologize. It's okay. It was November 13th. This is March, just still a long time ago, or still a long time. So, like. We sleep in May. Yeah, we That's sleep in May. Important. I'm excited for the team. I think that it's, you know, it, it, it'll make, hopefully it'll make them hungry. Hopefully it'll make the chi- like a chip on their shoulder. Pat, do you think that. I've always been impressed with this player. Do you think Eric Dixon will ever get in the lineup this year? Or? Um, so, actually, I was going to get to that in a little bit. Jay came out, I believe it was before the game yesterday. I think it was like it was Monday the, or Tuesday. Or, it, it was recently and said that Eric's most likely going to redshirt this whole season. Now he said things can change with injuries, of course. But the plan is to get Dixon to redshirt just to be more familiar with the system and to get into more of like Villanova's system shape because he's a huge dude. Well, and he's going to be a weapon. I think when, he's bigger than Pat. He's taller he and... and I have class with him. I can confirm that he is definitely bigger. He's an NBA body already. I think they asked him after the Army game, Coach Wright, how many didn't get in ever in touch court, and he was like, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. So, like, and that speculation was injury or whatnot, but um, uh, if you think about next, obviously you think in the future, next year with Dixon and Caleb. That's why I'm excited. If we guys, if we have come back, like, let's all stay for a fifth year. Let's all stay for, oh, is that what we're doing? Let's all stay for a fifth year? Yeah. All right. They're going to be loaded next year. Uh, Next year is so. So this year is obviously exciting. Next year could be very, very exciting. But um, is that everything we want to hit on Ohio State? Do we want to move to Ohio? All right, Mm -hmm. Ohio. What do we like about it? Obviously, things were a lot different than the Ohio State game. Seventy-eight, fifty-four victory. I I still can't. It's hard to take away anything really from from that game. I mean, they obviously shot better from three. You knew that was going to happen, but I mean. I think that the thing is, I was getting really frustrated the first couple of minutes, the first, at least the first half of the, you know, the first half of the, of the first half. The first part of the first, first half. The first part there of you the go. first half. Um, they looked like they were, again, stiff. And I think that towards the end of that half, they did start to move the ball around a little bit more. There was some good ball movement, some good passes that I saw were made. At least, at least they were moving around the top of the key. You know, they which they were not doing at Ohio mm-hmm. State. They just kind of, you know, stood around, didn't you know, play high school ball. But um, 
I think that they. <laughs> I'm very confused. We're just watching the highlights. Yeah. Siege just drained a three. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that, yeah, they, I mean, what you can take away from, you know, they, they did what they needed to do, essentially. I, I still would like them to try to work the paint, you know, work in the paint a little more. Mm-hmm. They have so much size. They've got, yeah, exactly. I think three things. Number one, Justin Moore, great game mm. coming out party. Justin I know Moore, you and I talked Justin about that. Moore, I'm <laughs> so excited about this. Yeah. Justin Moore is going to be a killer for this program, and especially for him because um, Robinson Earl and Antoine, very possible they leave after this year. Yeah, Moore is not going to leave after this year. Moore is going to be here for a little bit, and Justin Moore has the potential to blossom into a star guard here. Uh, um, number two, Jeremiah, double-double again. Another one. Two out of three. The third thing was the rotation. If you look very top heavy in minutes, 30 minutes plus for all the starters. That becomes interesting on Thursday when Antoine comes back. Yeah, Dada 11, Slater 18, Swider 17, Arch got in for three. Or pardon me, not everyone had 30. Uh, Jermaine had 27. But that's that's pretty top heavy. Like that's... It is. Going to be interest, something interesting to follow. And I do think though that Cosby Roundtree is going to be the odd man out in all yeah. of this. Even though he's a junior, even though he's got that experience, he just... And it's nothing against Demir. Demir's a nice player. He, he just is. doesn't fit the system that right lost I, I think it's like if you could compare having Ochefu versus mm-hmm. Dale Rounds, it's kind of similar to that. Mm-hmm. Just simply because I think Robinson Earl is a bigger player. He's a little bit bigger. He can he's he, more nimble. He can move yeah, around the perimeter. He can shoot the three. I mean, Ochefu really couldn't do that. But like at least I, I think that's the best way to compare the, the you know that situation. Right yeah, now. Cosby Roundtree brings in a guy that knows the system and understands the system, can give you some decent rim protection, uh, can work it down low, knows how to kick it outside. Like he's going to be a valuable player this year, but I'm I don't think that he's going to factor into the heavy minutes, especially with Brian Antoine now coming back. Now I don't think you're going to see too many minutes from Antoine this week at the Myrtle Beach Invitational. I think it's more going to be getting his feet wet. Um, LaSalle is the is the real target game on December first. Where I think you could really see him get installed in the rotation. Yeah, I was gonna. The only other thing I was gonna touch on with, in terms of um, <clears throat> uh, Robinson Earl and uh, Cosby Roundtree and your comparisons, boy, I think they're valid. Um, mm-hmm. I would say, I mean, if you throw throw it down the block to Dubrik Cosby Roundtree, rookie mistake right there. Rookie mistake. Throw the ball, throw the ball on the block to Dubrik Cosby Roundtree. Say, go get me a bucket. I don't know if he's getting you That's a bucket. Fair Give no. the ball to Robinson Earl. He's getting you a bucket. Yeah, so, or, he's, or he's getting fouled. Or he's, or he's, getting, yeah, he's doing something, doing something yeah. productive. Yeah. I think Six he, free throws attempted by yeah, him. Yeah, you get the ball down to Cosby Roundtree. Again, he's a, he's a nice player, but you know, if you he's not an offensive threat that you would want down the block. He's just not that. Yeah, ab- just, absolutely. It, which is fine. I mean, not everyone's an offensive threat on the block, you know? Mm-hmm. So what I will say from this game, what I take away, the defense was much better yes, than against Ohio State. Was much exactly. They got out there. They really hounded Ohio to 16 turnovers held him to 15% from beyond the arc. That was, it was really good defense, which was something you wanted to see. Also not surprised to see such good defense after such disastrous performance against Ohio state. I can tell you right now that Jay whipped them in practice <laughs> oh, leading yeah. up into that game. So they were ready. Well, like, it was one thing if they shot poorly mm-hmm. and played good defense at yeah. Ohio state. They no, they, they didn't play well. No, yeah. and, and that's totally fair. To Sherwood's point, again, Justin Moore could not be more excited about him. I will say Jermaine Samuels shot one for seven, but this is the role that he's going to have. It's going to be a jack of all trades. Nine points, five assists, eight rebounds. That's what he's going to do all year. He's going to contribute. He got to the free throw line, too. He did. Which was good. He had eight free throw attempts. So Samuels, I think that Marquette game that we saw where he exploded is going to be kind of the aberration for him. I don't think he's that type of scorer, but he can give you nice minutes. He can contribute in a lot of different ways, and because of that, he's valuable. 
And then finally, Sadiq Bay. I've said it from the start. I will continue to stay at all season. Sadiq Bay is the best player on this team. Bay does everything. 19 points, five boards, was everywhere on defense, shot seven for 10, four of five from three. I, the potential that Sadiq Bay has for this program is yeah, He's awesome. Yeah. I, I was blown away. I mean, he came in late last year. Mm-hmm. Which is why it's so shocking. He was the last commit yeah. in June. <laughs> He's kind of like, supposed um, to redshirt. That was the original plan last year. Was yeah, for him yeah. to he's, he's been he's the, the how quickly he's picked up the system is because I, I do think that it does take a long time for a lot of younger players to pick up Jay's system. It's um, complex. It's it is it is. I think it's more and more complex often more a more complex offense. He wants it to play the right way. I think that the fact that he's been able to do that since pretty much day one is says a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Conrad, do you have any thoughts on the uh, on Nova basketball? My just one big concern is all these guys getting a lot of minutes. I know we talked on it a little bit ago, but I just don't know how sustainable that is. Um, and I don't know. I can't tell, especially in that Ohio State game, since they were being blown out the whole time, it would have made sense to try to get some guys off their legs, even though they had been off for eight days. I just don't understand playing everybody 30-plus minutes in a game. You're getting blown out by 20. But... I, I think he's I, still trying I, to figure out what he wants. Yeah, to I, I, I can't figure. Yeah. He likes to play around early and play guys I, a lot. Yeah, I think right now he's just trying to get those five guys to get used to playing with each other, so that mm-hmm. um, when the games matter a little more, when it's Big East play, um, that they'll be used to each other. And I'm hoping that's what it is because I just don't think playing everybody for thirty plus minutes every night is going to work, especially when you get biggest play when it's two a week and it's hostile environments when you're going to Marquette and stuff. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And a point that I think we'll get to more throughout the season, a player that I think has to watch out in that five with Antoine coming back, it's Gillespie. Because if you look at a pure talent standpoint, he's the lowest one out of that starting five for the guards, Antoine and Moore give you a lot of versatility. Now, Colin, I think does a really nice job as the experienced guy. He's not a point guard. We've said it a million times. He's a two guard. He has not had a good start to the season. Yes, he had the mask. Obviously, it's three games into the season, but he's an interesting player to watch with the minutes. How? Because as we said, Jay's got to figure out how to juggle these all, with all these guys now. And I think he's a player to watch. I was going to ask you, Pat, what, what's your starting five? Like if everyone's healthy, we're in the middle of February, we're going to go play at Seton Hall. So what I would do, I and there, I if you're going to at Seton Hall, you have to go experience. So I would go Gillespie Antoine. Okay. And I'd say Moore is your first guy off the bench. And then I'd stick with the... Bay, Robinson, Earl, and uh, and Samuel's lineup, and then but Justin Moore would be playing a bunch of minutes off the bench. Yeah, that's I how he's I like think he's man, going yeah. to do. And then get Swire in there. Mm-hmm. I think I think Swire should be the next guy off the bench yep. after that. I, I agree, and I think that's how he's going to do it. Is once everyone's healthy and once everyone's brought up, I think Justin Moore is going to be the player that drops onto the bench. But I think Moore is going to play plenty of minutes this year, just because we all know how much Jay loves experience, especially at point guard. So I think that even with Gillespie kind of as a player to watch a little bit with his minutes, he's going to be playing plenty. All right, we've got about 10 minutes left. We'll just hit some pick and choose a couple different things. Um, Tua Tagovailoa, out for the season, coming up with a hip injury. It's a real hip injury. But yes, not the Trubisky hip injury. Should he have been in the game when he got hurt? Yeah. Saban said it. He said, at this point, I'm playing my best players, SEC football. I've got to put him in there. He said, if we have Rodgers, we're putting him in there. I think at that point... It's kind of the same way of why maybe why Jay kept, you know, everyone in the Army game, why he kept them in the Ohio State game, getting everything together. He said, Tua looked healthy. Let's run the two-minute warrant, two-minute drill. It's just, it's, it's, it's really bad luck, and it's not. It's mm-hmm. the next, what we're going to talk about is, is it good for, you know, college football? 
Not at all. I would not, say, is it good? What, what does it mean? Like, yeah. is it good? Absolutely it's not. It's not good. Yeah. I think that obviously a one loss Bama team would be very exciting for the committee. And it's just kind of, it puts a damper on Alabama. It's be interesting to see where they put them in the playoff tomorrow. Like, are they going to stick at five? Or are you going to put them at six and have Oregon jump off? But it's just kind of like, it's very tough. It's yeah. sad. On, on Tua, it feels like kind of a little bit of an obituary here for, for him at Alabama. He is going to go down as one of the general generational college football players. And that's why it's so sad that he gets injured here because he had a chance to win another national title um, with Alabama. Just think about when he came in against the, in the, I know you don't want to think yeah. about it. When he came into that national championship about Georgia, what he's accomplished since then, he is one of the best pure college quarterbacks I have ever seen. And it's just so sad to see him go out this way. Now, it really shakes up the NFL draft. It'll be unbelievably interesting to see what happens. I, I don't. Oh, think, I think he's I, worth I the risk he, too. He's shown from day one that he, he that pass he had to, in overtime. He it, looked off the safety. One of the best passes like, as a was, freshman. As a freshman, that's the thing. Like he has the composure. He has the, the arm smarts, strength. The arm yeah, strength. He's got everything. I don't see how you can pick Burroughs over him. Oh no! Oh, even if Burrows. he's hurt. I think Burroughs is a better, I think he's a more, or like, I'm just like, I think two is a great, I think that Burroughs to me looks more like pro ready. You think so? But I I think I so. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I think they're both, I guess, I think it depends too of maybe who you want. I guess it depends who's the draft and yeah. where you're at. I think yeah, all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think, I think they're both. Yeah, I, I don't actually, yeah. I mean, hell, someone someone could come in and take Jake Fromm for all we know. Yeah, like, or, uh, like Justin Herbert. Yeah. Or, Herbert will go yeah. top 10. You um, can you question, can mark that down. I have to say, my brother said it. Is Tua injury prone? Yes, ankle yeah. last he's year, had other ankle, multiple ankle hit, injuries and now a hip, broken nose, concussion. Like, granted, three of those happen on one play, but like, but he had the ankle last year with the like the tightening yeah. that he did. He had the same surgery this year on the other ankle, mm-hmm. and he dislocated his head. It's the same thing that Bo Jackson is, had. Yes. granted, it's now with modern technology, mm-hmm. it'll be better. But it's something to look at. It's, it's not, injury you can't dismiss it. Yeah. Like, I, I don't mean to what. Yeah, it's it's just something. No, it, it absolutely is. Now, what it means for the college football playoff, I'm not sure you see much movement at all, really, this this week. Um, I don't think you're going to see movement until the LSU-Georgia uh, SEC title game, just because I think Ohio State and Clemson are locked into those two, three. And why is Clemson locked into that three spot, Sherwood? Uh, shellacking this week. Yeah, Sherwood was at the Clemson-Wake Forest game. It was good. Um, it was good. What was the score? Uh, let me just reference it this way. It was they fifty-two to three. By the way, scored fifty-two. I thought it was fifty-one. Did they cover? Was it? No, it was thirty-four and a half. Yeah, plus thirty-four and a half. Oh, they, oh, were, they covered. They covered. No, it was fifty-one to three. He was, as a Wake Forest fan, they didn't cover. Yeah. No. Oh, oh, oh we yeah. Clemson covered. Clemson no, covered. Oh, Clemson covered. Teams, great teams win. Great good teams cover. Um, other way around. Other way around. Um, last year they lost sixty-three to zero. Hey, improve us by 48. Five, <laughs> five years they'll beat them if they're continuing on the 15 point spread. Haven't put up a touchdown. That's ambitious. Think. Haven't put up a touchdown against Clemson in a couple of years. But the other thing, too, that but. I, do, I, do, I do have to put this out there. They were without their top two wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Sage Sherratt is the ACC leading receiver. Granted, you know, is that a 48 point difference? No, <laughs> certainly not. But like, were there spots that like? Listen, it was at Clemson. They were they were down seventeen three. A couple minutes left in the in the half. A guy Claude drops a ball at the fifty yard line. If that's right, he might have catch it, catches it. Then Clemson gets the ball back and scores interception. Score again. So like, you know, I mean, there's. It's, I'm not sitting here saying if they had them, they're gonna win. But like, 
it's, 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 it would have been a little bit. I mean, for one they would have scored a touchdown. They would have scored a touchdown. That's what I'm saying. They would have scored a touchdown. And then the trend would have been bumped up by like two years. Yeah, The only thing, though, too, is two things I saw. Number one, Etienne is amazing. Like yes, they he is. have He's such a good people. Do, like they talk about Trevor Lawrence. They talk about T. Higgins, Justin Ross. Obviously, Wake is undermanned, undersized. If they're doing the play action, they've got to bite in. It's like if you do that again. Obviously, if you play against um, like an LSU or an Ohio State, they're not gonna. You know, their front five, front sevens, not gonna have to. You know, is gonna be able to hold it in. But he's a great, uh, really good to be able to spell Trevor Lawrence to open up wide receivers or whatnot. <laughs> And they're just fast. They're yeah. incredibly fast. I, I think that's that's pretty fair. So that sums up college football playoff rankings come out tomorrow night. So we'll be able to discuss that next week. Uh, quick NBA. Paul George returned last week. <laughs> the Lake Show is unstoppable. Sorry, Brian. Um, and Kristaps <laughs> Porzingis <laughs> returned to Madison Square Garden and promptly lost and is now 0-2 against the Knicks since the trade, God. which is just spectacular. And so we will finish up with Around the Nova Nation. Celtics. Yeah, they're good. Around the nomination. Football. Football won 35-7 over LIU Post, keeping their FCS playoff hopes alive, which goes into the final game of the season, a rivalry game against Delaware on Saturday at 1 p.m. Football starting getting back in a roll at the three-game losing streak, which could have ended the season, but they are still going. Um, Good win against LIU Post. Sharks, their first year in the FCS, just undermanned, undersized. Uh, Villanova put them away early and just... Kind of kept the pedal to the metal there. Men's and women's cross country had a big weekend. Yeah, so I don't think we've been on uh, since they they won Big East. Mm-hmm. So obviously mentioned that or the men's the men's team won, and then regionals men's got first in the regional. All five got um, Mid Atlantic, which is the region top performers. Um, the women got second um, with three uh, all regional performers. So and that, Lydia won. Correct? And Lydia won. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that means that both teams are going to nationals this weekend on Saturday. Um, should be a great time. Both are ranked 22 in the nation, respectively. Um, I don't know. It's awesome. The, the, the men's and women's cross-country team are doing fantastic this year. It's great to see them go out and just crush the competition. It'll be very exciting to watch this weekend. Yeah, and Sherwood, do you want to give a quick like two-minute update yeah. on Relay for Life on uh, Saturday? Relay for Life is this Saturday in the Villanova room, 2-8. to eight, um, And the Conley Center is... Like it's all our money goes to the American Cancer Society is we have different funders throughout the whole year. This is our main event. We'll have different performers. We'll have um, different speakers. We'll have different yard games and whatnot. If you um, tickets are $10 on VU ticks, $15 at the door. Um, There'll be like, you know, there'll be food there if you buy the ticket Mm -hmm. and all the money that we're raising is going to help um, like people that are affected by cancer with different, um, like lodging rides to like the hospitals for treatment and for cancer research to help, you know, put an end to the awful disease. And this is the WXVU round trippers philanthropic official philanthropic event. And where are the restaurants for the rest of the week that are participating in the fundraiser? Tomorrow will be Panera from four to eight. And Thursday will be the honey grow by, um, over by like red, red high school. Yeah. Wayne. That's Wayne Redner. Thank you. Yes. And, yeah, so they'll be there. We'll also have a table at the um, somewhere with Dunkin' Donuts on set on Friday. Oh, but, baby. Um, yeah, just any and all donations this year, the, throughout the year, and any, just any money to us, Nova Dance, 
anywhere you can, you know, send it to is it's all going to make a difference just to help put, you know, an end to the awful disease. Absolutely. So a great cause there again. Where is that again, sir? It where will be in the Villanova room. Villanova room, Saturday, Saturday, 11-23, so November 23rd. I'm sorry, I typed it out so many times. Um, Saturday, November 23rd, 2 p.m. to 8 p.m., um, $15 door at door, $10 for pre-sale. Yep, cool. exactly. Thank you for that. And again, another uh, um, update as well. That is hunger and homelessness awareness in, week. Panera, pardon me. Panera wow, you just really Winwood. just trampled Madeline all over just that. Texted My me. God. Panera's in Winwood. Winwood? Yes. Okay. Oh, awesome. Right, Fantastic. That's the other direction. So that's yeah. our show. <laughs> that, uh, yeah. 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 That'll wrap it up. Uh, any final oh, thoughts? No oh, swearing on air. And shout out to I Birdman for thank you for going to the trolley fundraiser today. Oh, of course. Another shout out to Birdman. Another shout out to Birdman made the play of the year in flag football last night with oh a toe drag is it, is it the corner of the end zone. That catch was good on Sunday. Oh my God, Samuel. I just forever in our hearts with that catch. So that's our show. I'm Pat Zang for Jack Sherwood, Conrad Payer, Ben Moy, and Matt Wood. We will see you next Monday night. This is Round Tripper on 89.1. Go Cats. Go Bills. Go Cats. <laughs>